Wow, what a change, huh? Y'all can be seated. Come on, somebody. It's so quiet. You guys are just taken back by, you didn't know they had hip-hop back then in the church. <laughs> that was my dad preaching in the beginning. That was November 1976, which would have made him about 28. My math's not so good. Um, this is a new series today I thought would be really cool for y'all called This Old Church. This old church meaning God's gospel is consistent. People change, culture changes. What we call old is still relevant today. We're just doing it a little different. But God's gospel never changes. And so I thought it would be neat to take four weeks to look at different periods of this church, God's church. One C church is a baby, but God's church is a seasoned veteran of, a, of discipleship, mission, community. It's bigger than what you see. And so we're going to go through the, the four weeks, and I just thought it was really cool because that clip came from some tapes that I've had sitting I'm not exaggerating this. I've had sitting in my office for five years waiting to be converted to digital so that we could preserve the tapes of the gospel because the tapes shall perish, but the truth shall not. And, and if we don't want to deal with the tapes perishing, we can convert them to digital and they'll last a little longer until someone steals my hard drive. But at least... It'll last longer. So five years I put off, I mean, there's dozens of them. There's like 50 tapes, and each tape, tape has to play through. I had to find something that would play a tape. Kids, do you know what a tape is? When I'm saying tape, that's slang for cassette, audio, ribbon. You know, like how they used to record audio onto ribbon. They call it vintage now. That was actually mainstream back in the 80s, pre some of these adolescent. And so I knew it was going to take a while, so I kept putting it off and putting it off. And these tapes were Guy Rome, my dad. I think there's some of Jim Rome. It's New Life tapes. And um, I finally said, get it done, son, to myself. I was sick of looking at the dusty tape case on the floor, and Michelle was really sick of it every two years are you going to do something with those things? Oh, yeah, I'm going to get to it this week. Two more years go by. So I started converting these tapes, and that was the first night. And I was so touched at the zeal that I had forgotten that not only lived in my father, but just it started bringing me back to my childhood and bringing me back to the roots of this thing. And, and that's just a baby in itself compared to the gospel. So I thought, how special would it be if we took a trip back in time to each era as much as able in four weeks with 30 minutes each week? We know how we do. we got to be on a schedule to some degree. But we're going to try to give as much as that as we can so that we can leave more well-rounded as church goers, and um, more, more so than goers, but followers is really what we are. So we're going to look at the beginning. We're going to look at that era that was on the tape. We're going to look at the modern era. And there's one more, th more, one more. Oh, yeah, at the end, we're going to look at that summation of all the eras combined and how we pull from that. 
But this passage today is the very beginning of this thing. This is the birth of the church today. This is in the book of Acts. If you go to your Bibles in Acts 2 and pull up verses 40 through 47, I got this new Bible, newer than the other new Bible, and the text is even smaller. And I have good eyes, but it is, I had to like practice because I'm not used to finding the verse in this little, little thing, little ant of a verse marker. 40 through 47, chapter 2 of Acts. To give you a little context here, this is the day of Pentecost. This is two verses earlier when the, the outpouring, excuse me, this whole chapter is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the new birth experience when everybody was like, thought they were drinking and they said, no, what shall we do? I don't know what's going on here. People are speaking in tongues and getting baptized and all these things and all this stuff is happening that Christ foreshadowed um, when he was with them. And so now the people are standing around in this kind of chaos and they say, what, what shall we do? And in verse 38, Peter says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift. And they're like, okay, now what? And he's talk, then he quotes Joel 2.28 and, and uh, this is that which you have seen by the prophet Joel. Your, you know, your sons and daughters shall dream dreams, see visions, all that he's telling them. But they're like, well, what do we, what do, we do now? So verse 40 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about, you know, we're doing a baptism next week. You see why we get excited about it? That's why we get excited. That's what they were doing here. We're doing something that's been going on for 2,000 plus years. Isn't that cool? With many other words, excuse me, yes. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number per day. Per day. Per day? 3,000? That's a lot of people together in one spot. Were they, were they social distancing? Did they have their vaccine? I don't think so. I'm all for the vaccine. Don't, don't hate on me. I'm all for it. I'm just saying. It just makes me wonder. They devoted themselves. NKJV says steadfast. They were steadfast or devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Like all in. Not see you on Sunday like let's go now. I don't care if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, happy days. No, none of that. It's like let's go now, all of us. They were devoted, steadfast, the Bible says, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, which is mentored into them by Jesus Christ, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, because there's a lot of stuff going on that was odd. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, now they're crazy, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What? Socialists. No, I'm kidding. They just gave away what they had to help people around them? Like, that's so unselfish, you know? Like, they said, who has need? Let me help you. That's weird. I, 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 I think it's weird. I would have a tough time with that. I mean, I love y'all, but if you said go sell your house and give it to your neighbor, I'd have a tough time with that. Because I'd say, well, what about me? What about me? That's what they did. They knew that this was a team thing. It was a community thing. And they knew that the, the value in this had to be together. That's why you hear me preach teams so much. 
generosity so much because it is the gospel at the core. Amen, sister. I'm right there with you. Acts 2, unknown tongue, even if it's baby. (laughs) It's so cute. Every day they continued to meet together in verse 46 in their temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were glad and sincere. Every day they journeyed together, praising God in verse 47 and enjoying the favor. Everybody say favor. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I kept rereading that last part, that they were enjoying the favor. What they were enjoying was what God had left them with. This is the apostles. And then they're seeing God do something with it. And then people were, were just flooding to this mission. There was like this joy in that. It's like why we get so excited when one person comes in the door. We get so excited because there's joy in that. There's joy in seeing that something that's been given is being received and there's hunger for it. And that's what feeds the church spiritually, practically, in all different things. But if we look back on the history of this church, it's pretty incredible how things have shifted culturally. That's not to say the message of the gospel has changed, but as culture changes, the church will change as people do. Over these next four weeks, we're going to look at the perspective of the church from those different periods. And today we're starting with Acts, how it looked to them, and see how we can draw from this period in each period to better equip us as Christians right now. If we forget where we came from, we may lose focus and direction on how to move forward as God's people So will you take a journey back with me today as we step into the shoes of the original church that was born out of Acts 2? Let's discover who God was to them and how it relates to us. And my title this morning is, Are You Keeping an All Things New Perspective? All Things New. Are You Keeping an All Things New Perspective? It's all right, we had a series in there that was this old church. But today's message is all things new. When something's new, it's exciting, right? Right? Like, are y'all, I see a couple heads. Y'all feeling this? When you're used to it, it's like, yeah, the new car smells worn off. It just gets me from point A to B. Hey, Dad, I got a new car. Well, really, a car, son, is just to get you from point A to B. Thanks for the reminder. But you know that new car smell? You know, like when something's new? You know, like when the brand new baby, and they're so cute, and I just can't wait until they start keeping you up at night, and then they grow into about four years old, Cindy, and they start telling you what to do, and then you're like, who'd who'd you learn that from? They said, you, and then I said, no, you didn't. I said, I don't like me in you. I'm me, I'll be me, you be you. And they said, well, I am me because of you. Train up a child, Dad. And I say, shush, go talk to your mom. We've been dealing with that. Ten-year-olds, man, the switch goes off. I don't know what happens. We got some, can I talk about them? You can only talk about them when they're not in the room with you. They got some attitudes going on in our house. I had to get some, get some therapy in our house between the adolescent children amongst themselves, not even with mom and dad. It's just like, everybody, let's hug it out. It's going to be okay. But when it's new, it's exciting, and you just can't wait. <laughs> 
And um, we are excited about the baby, by the way. So I was just joking. Um, because all the hard stuff Michelle deals with anyway. So just kidding. Just kidding. She's right there. All things new. This gospel was brand new to them. They didn't have this. They had the Torah. They had Old Testament law. They knew the prophets. They didn't even have this. And they had a fire for this, and they didn't even have it yet. You know? It was evolving. It was brand new. It was so exciting. It was refreshing. And the reason it was so good for them and they received it so well. The reason you see 3,000 people coming into God's house daily, heck, we get excited. One person comes in in a month. We're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Can I just be real? The reason we see a difference because it was new, and nobody knew this thing, and they were starving in a spiritual famine, and they knew it. These people weren't rolling on dubs. They were starving on breadcrumbs. They were, they were, they were, uh, you know, they were struggling to make it. They, they had jobs and they were fishermen and tax collectors, but they weren't living big. Though Felix, I like, you like it? I mean, Felix back in the house. Give it up for Felix. Come on, Felix is back. Guess who's back? Felix back. Anyway, I love you, man, and I've missed you dearly. But they were starving, and when you starve, you're gonna eat. And when you starve, you're going to look for food. And when you find food, food, you're going you're gonna to eat a lot. Like you're going to overconsume because you're starving for something. Versus when you're overly filled all the time and you're never really actually hungry. It's just a habit thing. And it doesn't really, doesn't really appeal to my appetite, which is the deeper burning down inside of me that's starving. When I don't really have that, it will just become, okay. And there's a difference. And so, so that's what's so cool is in the book of Acts, it was brand new. They never seen this before. Has anybody ever seen something new, like the first time ever, and they're just like speechless? Anybody? Like, like Xbox, my kids, when they, they discovered Xbox, and, and, they, and they, they, they went from tablet land to Xbox world. Like it was revolutionary. Like Jesus, the Messiah, has come through Halo. With snipers. We would never do that. We got all five. Anyway, it's new. So are you keeping an all things new perspective today? There's a reason when you see missionaries out in like third world countries and you see hundreds of kids just worshiping God. There's a reason. It's not because they preach it better. It's not because the gospel's different. It's because the perspective of the people hearing the word is different. They're hungry. It's really simple. They're hungry. People got hungry in Corona, and then when Corona ended, they, they like got full again, and they kind of planed out with the hunger cravings for the Lord. It's, it's sad because, I've, I mean, it's just a human way. I, I had a song um, and I've preached this before about sunny days, hide the sound of the train of the Messiah, who's the conductor coming on the train. And until it storms, you don't hear the conductor on the train. Because sunny days, hide the sound of it coming. You know, it's really true. And so as much joy as we, we can have in this world, they were starving for change. So they found joy because they were starving for change. They weren't starving for joy. They were starving for change, which uh, birthed joy. 
Reception starts with an opening, and that's what they were. They were receptive. They were generous. Generosity goes a long way in God's house. It's everything we stand for. And we're not just talking about dropping the check in the thing. We're talking about everything we stand for is out of generosity. Because when people see that, they want to be generous too. And so when, when the apostles were generous with everything they had and they broke bread and they shared and they did it together, it drew more because it was unusual. And so people were, were absorbing this thing like, like the bread on the oil plate with the nice oil. With the, they were just absorbing that oil of God into them because it was so new and fresh and good. It can't be received, though, when it can't penetrate through comfort. Status quo, the norm. They were in a spiritual famine, so they were seeking when it happened. They were seeking, and may I add, they were highly confused because Christ had just left them. So imagine all this outpouring of God into somebody, and then he leaves you, and then he resurrects, and then he leaves you again, and now you're like, what do we do, Peter? And that's where 38 came in. Do this, and then now join the team. It starts with an opening. In comfort, unfortunately, I love being comfortable, but sometimes when I get too comfortable, I'm bothered. Did you know a pastor can get panicky when he's too comfortable? Did you know if I don't feel like there's something wrong, I actually feel uncomfortable? Isn't that twisted? So like, like if my list is caught up, I gotta make a list, Felix. Something's wrong. I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm just saying, like, there's something in comfort that actually can hurt in the long run. And so when you train yourself to recognize that comfort doesn't produce growth, though I need comfort once in a while, and I need a vacation once in a while, and the beach is a good thing, if I lived at the beach more than five days, I would go nuts because I'd be bored, and I'm on a mission, and God has the timing and a place in this world shall not be forever, but it's like we're like a passing vapor. And so I love the beach. Well, what it does is it reminds me of where I need to be in the long term. It's a reset. I do love the beach, though. I highly encourage Gulf Shores. The traffic is far less than Destin, and it's only like a 45-minute difference in drive, especially if you got little ones. It's great. Get, get the van and go to it. But after you've rested, you need to get in that window of a little bit of discomfort. There's a reason it's not comfortable because God is doing something. These workout videos, he says, he says when, you're, when you're hurting, that's your sweat, your, your sweat crying. <laughs> when he's killing you in these workouts, he says that's your, that's your body crying when you're sweating because your body's changing and doing something. When a woman gives birth to their child, like there's a reason something is happening through the process. And it starts with reception. And they were so receptive, just like the kids in all over the world that are starving for God. So were the people on Acts 2. And so they just sponged it up. Boom. God was doing things like that. That's how quick it can happen in a moment, in a day. You know, God's church can multiply by thousands in a day. It's based on the people and what the people desire. And I'm not talking about you people. I'm talking about people in general because you guys are the best ever. I know you would only, only desire the greatest thing that God has to give for you, but you may leave church sometime and go, could I desire more? Is this new to me? What if I made this feel new again? I go through it. 
They have preacher's block. Like, like, how do I make this new again so that I have the passion to give a word that is penetrating and not just status quo? I got to fight that because if I'm not careful, it can just be stale bread and I can't do that. I promised God I wouldn't do that. So I got to keep it new. So what I do is I go back to the text. When it starts feeling stale, I go back to the text again and I start again every time. And when it starts feeling stale, it's because I'm not in my text enough, if you really want to know. You want to keep it fresh, keep it new, you got to stay in his word daily. They were added daily. They communed daily. They broke bread daily. They did things daily. Hey, Mike, something's going wrong with the church. Boom, I'll be there daily. Like, it don't matter if it's Sunday. Mike's there. Nate's there. Like, that's amazing. Like, it's amazing what God does to people. It's so good. It says, when Peter preached that the word was gladly received, and the only only way that could be received is with the opening of a receptive heart. So we know they were receptive. We know they received his word. So then what? What did they do? It says they devoted or continued steadfastly. All the different means of church we have in the world are great to get your attention. But then there's a mission to follow, and that takes people. You can't do it alone, and you won't. And you need to get right with God so that you can get someone else right with God. You with me? You can't start and live in that world. That is not Bible. That's a starting point. So once you know the gospel, to whom much is given, much is required, I'm going to take it forward into this world to everyone I know. With love, I'm going to do it my way, like some way that's unique to me. I'm not saying you got to preach it at somebody or you got to hate on somebody, but you can start bearing the fruits that God would have you to bear to plant in their heart. And together we start drawing them in daily, adding to the kingdom daily. I was fake baptizing back there. I was air baptizing when they were talking about baptism. Don't ever turn your head. Right now it's a mess. I'm dancing back there. I'm air baptizing. Sometimes I air guitar it out. Like I do different things because I'm thinking about those people hitting that water. And I think about the times at the pond and the time behind the school, the time the person never came back. That was really weird, but it was still enjoyable in the moment. And God bless them. Like, you know, like I'm thinking about that because we're getting to the roots of this thing. We're getting back to the newness in those moments that bring the life back from the process to the process. There's a consistency that God desires out of us. It's got to be consistent. Nobody trusts flakiness. Flakiness doesn't have trust. Consistency does. There's a reason I know I can call on Nate and I can call on Mike and I don't have to even think twice about it because there's trust because of consistency. And it's bigger than that. That's just a little hair on the, on the surface of a, of a thing that God wants to do in the church world is do that with the world and the community. Can you imagine? 3,000 daily. I think it can still happen. Can it still happen? Can that's 3,000 in a day? I mean, statistically, they say church plant. Like, can that happen? If God's in it, can a baby come from a womb that the doctor said was dead? I think we just learned that. Can a small and mighty do great things? I just talked to a pastor this week. He said, he was talking about our church. He says, it's yours, not me. He's saying the church, we're talking about a thing. He says, it's yours. It's already yours. He was talking about the church and and the vision and the things, and he's talking about that. Like, we have to declare it, believe it, and get after it. 
Quit listening to the barren womb stories. God's going to do something when we collectively get after it. We did so many cool things this week. I'm not even preaching that right now. I'm, talking, I'm just preaching and preaching. We had one seed youth kick off this week. We had worships, worship rehearsals kick off. We've got a business giving us a space for no charge. We've got an entire rehearsal set up. Independent of this, they can just come in and drop in and do their worship and get out like people see and people want to help. They want to be part of something good that God is doing. So those little things are signs that we are penetrating hearts even when they don't come on Sunday. Like they're watching. If you're watching right now on the camera, you, I'm talking about you. Yeah, we know you're watching. We're thankful for you because God's doing something because together, daily souls were added through devoted and steadfast Community and consistency. We've learned to treat God sometimes. I hate saying this because I love the flashing lights. I love all that. But, but we've learned to treat God like a show. My God. Like how many tickets do you need? Tickets to what? To, to be at the feet of the mercy of the Messiah of the Lord Jesus Christ? Like, how many, t- how, you know, like, like, oh, sorry, we're sold out, we're full. Like, what, so was the, so was the, so that's why Jesus got on the water, because they were full. Like, we don't turn anybody down. We want an overflow. If you got to stand out there to get at Jesus' feet, so be it. We're okay with that. We won't turn you, like, we've mechanical, mechanic, uh, here we go with my grammar. We've, we've made it mechanical to some degree. And God is not to be treated like a show. He's to be treated like the almighty God of the heavens. And that's the difference. You can clap for that. You know, the Bible says when we praise, he, he inhabits our praises and, and things happen. And so, so when, they, when they saw God moving, they started moving. And when things started moving, it says souls were added daily because they were in it. It's so good. And they were consistent. And they were so dehydrated, uh, starved, that, you know, a famine is a lack of something. It's a lack of food. It's a shortage. And when you get really starved, you change. It's happened to me. When I get full, I get self, uh, I believe more in myself and my abilities. When I get really hungry, I start saying, okay, God, I need you. After all, we used to, anybody ever cycle? Like road, like bicycle cycle, but like with the like the clicking shoes. Have you ever gone that far with it, Cindy? Where you stop at the stoplight and then you fall over because you forget your feet are connected. Learning curve. So I tried this when Chloe was born, and um, we don't do it anymore because my brother, um, me and him, would try to ride together, and it we lasted a few times. But it was a decade ago, and when you ride on a bicycle whether it be road cycling or even a normal dirt bike that kids use, but cycling especially, you get up to like 20 miles and you just got your little squirt bottle and you forgot to hydrate. They say hydrate the day before. Did you know, that, do you know if you're not hydrated, you don't have any endurance? Do you know you can be in church but be, be dried up? And if you're not hydrated with the things of God, you can't be effective for God's kingdom. God wants, that's why oil, oil replenishes moisture. You with me? You tracking with me? And so, so when you're on this, this ride and you're dehydrated, you, you have to hydrate days earlier because it affects your energy and it affects your ability. But on the flip, flip side, there's such a blessing that when you, when you run dry, God is there saying, I'm here to oil you up. And so we'd be on the bike rides 
And we get back to ASAP in the valley there. And I, of course, would not have prepared good. I'd been on an empty stomach, didn't, didn't hydrate or nothing. So I'm always, you know, a mile behind Sean, who's, who was always more athletic and more fit and, and better looking. Well, I don't know about that. No, I'm just kidding. And he had, I, I had more hair at least, you know, uh, oh, did I say that on camera? Sorry, bro. Anyway, you know, it's a good thing. So, um, anyway, so we'd be riding and, um, he would warn me and, and I'd be huffing and puffing and he'd be smooth sailing. So we'd get back to ASAP. That's our, that's his business. He's like, I got a bag of apples. Do you want one? And I'm like, an apple. Let me tell you, and some of you heard this before, when you taste an apple after a fast or starvation or severe dehydration, has anybody ever had an apple in that state? Nobody? Okay, two people have had an apple in a state of true starvation and dehydration. It is the most satiating thing on the planet. Isn't that so funny? The most simple thing could be so powerful. But now when I'm having the potato chips and the stuff Michelle bought that came home from the trip with all the salt and everything I hate that makes me fat, I don't care about the apples anymore. Are you with me? But that moment when I had nothing and I was just like getting off that bike and I had my spandex on and it was just not cute because I wasn't real fit and I didn't like how it looked because it was tight and I was like, please God, let nobody see me because I'm embarrassed. I didn't have like the fitness belt with like the 20 water bottles like some people. I just had the one bottle in my bike and I got on, I was just starving for the apple and I get the apple and I'm just like, Job, for the apple. Y'all getting this? Is the most satiating thing. Try it. Let's do a test as a church. Let's test our faithfulness. This week, don't eat or drink for four days. And on Friday, have yourself an apple. And you tell me if it's not the best thing you ever had, okay? And I'll say, the Lord sent that. But if you go to the hospital, that's the devil. It's not me. I'm just saying. <laughs> so we got to be politically correct here. We don't get people in trouble. But after the day of Pentecost, after Acts 2, they didn't walk away and say, see you in six months, see you in a year, see you in 10 years, or see you never again. I'm good. They said, let's go. Let's go. You hear preachers go, let's go. Let's go. Like it's a, it's a buzzword. I know it's kind of corny sometimes, and I say it too much. That's because I heard it, and people are like, let's go. That's what that means. Let's go. Let's get it. Like that's what they're doing. They're on fire for it, you know? So it's good. And that's what the apostles did in Acts 2. Without Facebook even, they were able to manage. They were able to get it done without social media. Wow. No, no smartphones. Even the lady that told me that Jesus didn't have a smartphone or whatever, and I said, well, how do you know? He might have had internet. Like, how do you know? Were you there? And so, so, like, whatever they had, they got it done by foot. Are you keeping an all things new perspective today? Today. The Bible says they were in agreement, in one accord. That's unanimous. That's synergy. We preach synergy in our vision statement because that means they're doing something unanimously as one together. They're in agreement and moving as it had to be done together. God's church was meant to be together. It's the people. It's not a person. God's church is the people, the body of Christ. And when you take away the body, you have just a head. Christ was the head. He called us to replace his body here on earth through Acts 2. And now we are to go together in one unanimous cause. So that's why we do this. And that's why we need a reminder. Because sometimes the cause can feel like the coffee machine. 
Or the cause can feel like we need more childcare people. Or the cause can feel like we need more this or that. This is not enough. And so when we remember the cause, we will shift back to an all things new perspective. And now we're just excited that they have some cold coffee. Or now we're excited that the coffee ran out. Or now we're excited that we have a place to put kids. Like, like we get excited again for the apple. You getting this? That's the way it's meant to stay. And it won't stay that way if you don't keep refreshing your perspective. We all fight it. That will keep you consistent. Refreshing your perspective will keep you consistent. If you don't refresh, you're going to fall off the bike. You're going to run dry if you don't refresh. We all need it. What's so cool about the apostles is even after a few of them had seen a few of the miracles, and now, like, it's not new to them, they knew an eternal cause was at stake. They knew the eternal change that's happening, that there's an eternal underlying thing that's happening through the body. That's why we pray. That's why we believe. That's why we come together. That's why we pray over causes. We come together. We ask God to take something in prayer. We ask people to to take something down in prayer because we believe there's an eternal cause. It's eternal. And so even when it gets a little stale, like I've seen that, okay, he raised someone else from the dead. He healed the blind again. I saw that last week. Oh, yeah. He just changed the course of eternity for one soul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One soul gained makes it all worth it all of it for one soul gained so when you forget about how many souls are gaining just remember he got your soul he he died for you and when you remember he died for you you're gonna go oh god i'm sorry and that will bring you to your knees it said they enjoyed the favor the favor of what God was doing. They enjoyed the favor, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily who were with them being saved. Here they are just enjoying favor and is sucking up people into the vibe. I've been studying uh, William Seymour. He's a broke down pastor in 1906. Just doing his thing. And God had favor in an old church. Anybody know what I'm saying besides Dan? Anybody know about 1906? Azusa, Azusa, how do you say it? Azusa, Azusa, like the vehicle? No, Azusa Street Revival. Like they, were, they weren't the big church on the street. They were in a broke down building that they praised so much the foundation fell out underneath them. Y'all know that? That's a hunger after God. When you can make the floor break, let's cry. Can we do it? We're going to praise this gym floor. Maybe not today. We're going to praise down. This was a more structurally supportive uh, structure than what they were in. But what I'm saying is they praised so hard that the walls came down because the floor gave out. That's some, that's some hunger, okay? And um, Michelle, did you bring ibuprofen? All right, I'll get some after. <laughs> the difference between acts and today is desire. The difference between stale in passionate change is desire. We have a choice. God isn't pulling our string. We're not spiritual Pinocchio. We are free will human beings that God put on this earth that we can have a choice of which way we're going to go. Growth in favor. 
They grew because they recognized favor. The reach was rapid on foot. It was rapid, and they grew daily by thousands. The difference was, was, was the desire. Because recognizing favor creates a desire. It ties back to gratefulness, generosity. We preach it so much because when you understand gratefulness, it produces all these other things. It produces a generosity you didn't know that could come out of you. It produces a desire that you didn't know could come out of you. It produces a, a, a passion that you didn't know was in you. I said, I would never be in a church. I would never be a pastor. That is not who I am. I would never do that. I would never do it. How, how'd this happen? God wants to do the same for you. There's things right now you say, God would never do that. He would never use me like that. I don't even want to do that. Yeah, I didn't even want to do it. I said, I'm too good for that. That's for somebody else. I don't want to be this or that. I had so much judgment in it that at the same time, I was starving for something. I was waiting for someone else to provide. God says, I put it in you. So God's telling you, if he put it in you, he can use you to deliver it. That's what the church was. So they recognized that. They didn't let their problems hold them back. They looked at this as a solution to their problems. They looked at church and serving and ministry as a solution to their problems because all things were new. If y'all could stand with me this morning as we're looking at Acts 2, the new church, the fresh church, the so fresh and so clean. That church wasn't no cleaner than these floors. Well, these are pretty clean. We think just because you can't see the dirt doesn't mean it's not there. The apostles weren't any cleaner. They weren't perfection before they were called. They were hot messes when God called them. It was with desire. The desire for change caused them to drop their nets, to sell their possessions, to do whatever it took to find that change. It was opportunity. So I know that we're living in a culture that doesn't believe like this. I get it. And that's why we see numbers in churches declining compared to numbers at sports events and numbers at concerts and numbers at all the, all the quality role models for my kids that are taking their clothes off at 16 and selling sex to them. I know that that's more popular, but that doesn't mean we stop pushing the gospel because God can still do what he did then. Just because he did it one way then, he may, he may do it different today. He may use technology today. I believe he is using technology today. He's doing a lot of things different today, but the truth is still the same. The truth still adds people to his house daily, to eternity. His house in eternity daily is what I'm saying. Like that doesn't stop. So this old church is what we need for all eternity until the rapture comes, until God comes but we gotta keep an all things new perspective. God seeks that zeal from Acts in 2021. Do you think it's possible? Can, is, is 2021 alive? Who feels alive in here? Can we, can we raise the same kind of fire for God that happened in Acts 2? Can we build something different into this community and they think we're weird, but we're gonna bring it different with some subwoofers and some rap music? Whatever we gotta do, we're doing it different. Because the old way doesn't always work. Because when people change, 
They receive different. So we're bringing the same truth in a different way, just like God does it different. The church today is bringing it different, but we're not forgetting the truth. Don't worry about that. God gives the increase. We're planting seeds. When we get the opportunity to be out like in our own building or something, like if there's like any road visibility, you're gonna see me doing everything on the weekdays. We're gonna be standing out there with some food trucks, whatever we gotta do to get in people's faces with love because we gotta do it. We've been begging God for opportunity for three years. So we're gonna do it when it comes. We're gonna make the most of it. There's a desire. There's a hunger. There's a starvation for change in someone else's life that's gonna feed your soul. That's how you get fed, is feeding somebody else's soul. That's how you get fed. Quit waiting for the bread to be passed down the aisle to you. God says, get in the bakery and make me some bread and I'll feed your people and you're gonna be blessed for it. You're gonna be so full, you're gonna be breaking that thing into multiple pieces because you can't eat it all anyway without a belly ache. Y'all feeling this? You getting this? You wanna be fed? You gotta feed them. We take it out, it comes in. You wanna fill this house? We have to take it out. Quit going home and having your lunch and telling everybody, well, it was pretty good. Take it out and say, tomorrow I'm telling somebody about Jesus Christ. I'm telling somebody because something is happening. And if God can do it to me, he can do it to them. And when we all take it out, we will multiply his house daily. The truth doesn't change. The truth shall not pass away. The soil is different, but it can still be penetrated. Every head bowed, every hand lifted. Let's give it all today. God, we're trucking through it. We're plowing through the weeds, God, and we give thanks for the favor so there's joy in the thorn bush. Thank you, Jesus, that we have this opportunity to deliver a word when people try to take this thing out of our life. People trying to take this word out of our life, and I got to keep this in my life because my kids need it, and I don't like what the world's giving my kids, so I'm going to give this to my kids over myself. Even if I don't think it's right for me, I'm going to give it to my kids, and when I do, you're going to touch me in a way I've never experienced. We give thanks today, God. We go out in praise. We lift our hands. We go out in joy. We recognize favor. And if the house of God could say today, in Jesus' name, amen.